It is a pleasure to see you this morning. Just when we were leaving the house and the clouds opened up, I wondered what this day might hold. In my memory, I believe this is the third opportunity I've had to preach with you. One was about three years ago, but the other was way back in the 80s when my brother Chris was ordained uh, by First Baptist Church Norman. And I will make reference to that, and I recall that day with great tenderness and affection. The Glad River is a novel by Will Campbell in which three friends explore the meaning of love and community. After meeting each other in basic training, these three formed a deep neighborhood which they called a a deep friendship which they called the neighborhood. Psalm 100 is a declaration of praise shared among the faithful, a beloved community made glad by the good deeds and the great works and the profound thoughts of God. The Psalter builds community by expressing high confidence in the reign of God on earth. And so on this Pentecost day, when that began earlier for the folks who were traveling, who were in Germany this morning, 35 of them that worshiped together to celebrate Pentecost in a community church there. On this Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the birth of the church and the gift of the Holy Spirit to all who follow Christ its gift to our lives. How wonderfully blessed we have been because our lives have been graced by being a part of the beloved community, the neighborhood. My brother Chris, in fact, did his doctoral work taking the Psalms, the Psalter, and discovering how through the reading of the Psalms Congregations might build community in what they discover there. Building community because it gives us a way for naming God, for naming happiness, for naming anger, for naming grief, for naming fear, and for naming Zion, or those places where we encounter the living God. Will Campbell His novel reminds me that I have encountered the glad community at so many different points on my pilgrimage. That life is a gift best shared and made rich and full through community. In Psalm 16, a sort of signature psalm in my own journey, David looks backwards and reflects, my how the lines have fallen in pleasant places Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. David is talking about a beautiful heritage, not because for him it has been spotless, but because the beloved community has been present with him at every high and every low, at every point on his journey. So today, I would like for us to look at this psalm through the lens of three persons, 
a young person in our fellowship here, a friend from the long road, and my nephew Jay Rudd. Now, I have an idea of these three on my journey and a host of others who have been there for you along yours. I believe they confirm that the Word of God does indeed have a way of becoming flesh. These three have fleshed out. They embody this psalm. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. The Psalter here makes a clear communal claim. In the community of God, there's no trash talk. A neighborhood must persist in making joyful noise and in being a community that is inclusive of all. Everyone is invited to be part of the chorus. Now, I witnessed this exuberant joy a couple of summers ago through the young people from our church who were on mission with CB Oklahoma in Watonga, Oklahoma, which, by the way, will happen again this summer as we go to partner there with our brothers and sisters, Native Americans. It will be our seventh year to be there. Our youth will lead this summer a vacation Bible school with the Cheyenne children, and they will share in a worship service on Sunday evening to begin the week with the Iglesia Batista Victoria in Cristo from Fort Worth. They're traveling up to join the first few days and help establish and reach out to the community to join uh, our kids as they lead in Vacation Bible School. I I'm excited about that opportunity and I would ask you to consider coming with us and praying for us because it is on these journeys on mission that each summer I have witnessed God on mission there together. This, our seventh year, well, there will be four churches uh, that are going up at different times throughout the summer on mission and to do ministry as partners. A moment from almost three years ago still stands out to me. Having shared a whole lot of love with the kids, we invited the youth group from First Norman to dinner on patio for pizza cooked in an outdoor oven. And something happened in that moment when the bus pulled in and all the kids were running down the steps of the bus and going back to share an evening. Catherine Stravet said this to one of her friends. She said, I am so excited. This is my favorite night of the year. To me, her anticipatory joy was pure extravagance. Anticipation is everything. Her exclamation makes me want to approach life with this kind of appreciation. You see, for Catherine, it was her third trip to Watonga, and this night on the western Oklahoma plains had become a tradition. It was an evening of hospitality by the residents of Watonga who wanted to express their gratitude for us coming.
It seems to me that giving does that. Giving begats giving. It's contagious. Catherine's eagerness and her anticipation was filled with what I would call good vibrations. And it had a very positive effect on us all. In other words, for me, she was making a joyful noise unto the Lord by seizing the day and enjoying it in full. We were the recipients of her joy. She sort of started the evening on a high note. That's just the way it is when you love God and you love life and you love others. That seems to have a way of changing things. You know, the contrary, however, is without question. Many years ago, I read an autobiography by Gert Bahana, author of The Late Liz, and there was a gripping paragraph that shows the contrary way one can live. She said she died a little bit the day when she discovered that her mother and father hated each other. Making a joyful noise unto the Lord is a communal imperative. It is inclusive. No one is left out. All are invited to join hands, to come together in what we want to call the glad neighborhood. Life is sustained, isn't it, by kind expressions. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. The message says it like this, seeing yourselves into God's presence. Serve the Lord with gladness. God calls us all to serve. And if we have any doubt whatsoever about how we will know if we are serving the Lord, Jesus makes it certain. We serve the Lord whenever we serve the least of these, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the imprisoned, and the sick. Now I want to tell you about my friend, Matt Kanzler. He is one of the gladdest people that I know. Jennifer and I have been friends with Mac and Ruth Ann since our first years of marriage when we were called to serve as the Minister of Youth in Hereford, Texas. Mac, when we met him, was the teacher of the high school Sunday school department. He also had on his resume that he was a high school All-American football player and that he had signed with Bud Wilkinson to play here at the University of Oklahoma. One of the greatest things about my new job, and actually we were just brand new, newly wed married, one of the best things about my job is that Mac loved those kids and he made my work look easy. He used to tease me, he would say, think about it. You're paid to be good and I'm good for nothing. <laughs> of course, I, since I'm the one who thinks that all jokes are serious, I translate his humor to be saying this, after all, every member's a minister, not just the paid staff, but also every minister in the church. And he was doing that because we are all called to serve. 
And when we serve with gladness, it makes a significant difference in the world. Even now, more than 40 years later, I have a good idea where Mac is this morning. I, I just suppose that in their church in Austin, Texas, that they're seated just off right over here somewhere. And I have imagined that they have packed two or three rows of people that they have invited to church over the years. And the reason I suspect that is because Mac is given uh, uh, to, to just being very authentic in his relationships with people. And he has a, an easy way of making a seer, sincere invitation. And it's born to others out of conversation with a neighbor, with a friend, with a waiter or a waitress, with somebody at work, someone from his past, someone that he has encountered throughout the week that is struggling, one of the least of these. And somewhere in the conversation, he may just ask them to come with him to worship. And when he does that, it's not a throwaway line, it's a real invitation. He really means it. You know what happens when somebody takes him up on the invitation and when they come into church and they walk up the aisle where he's told them to find him, somebody is probably already seated in there beside him. But the moment he says hello, that person moves over because they realize that the new folk have priority seating. Oh my goodness. How it is that I wonder what might happen if we were to just pack our pew one person at a time. Because you see, every member is a minister called to serve, and the glad neighborhood is created and shaped and formed when we do. Now those folks that have found something uh, when they go to church, and it's something far more than simply Mac's winsome personality, they have discovered that they really are part of a beloved community. Together they will tell you that they have discovered that the Lord is God. He made us and we belong to him. We are his people and we are his flock. So the psalmist says, enter the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to God and praise his name. As a way of looking at this line in the psalm, I would like to introduce you to my nephew, Jay Rudd. Jay, without question, embodied this psalm. Jay is the first grandchild in our family he was born uh, with Down syndrome. And yet there was something about Jay that enriched all of our lives. You see, when he was born, his life expectancy was something like 16 years. Except because of changes in care and because of his own exuberance, Jay lived fully for 36 years. And he accomplished what I think 
no other human being in the world could have done. And that is, he humanized my big sister, Kay Ann. That's a little humor. <laughs> he, he did a remarkable job raising his parents. Jack and Kay Ann, who, they, they, they made an early goal in their lives. They decided they wanted to do everything that they could possibly do to help Jay accomplish what he most wanted to do. Well, this picture here is one of my favorites of Jay. That's a tree in Vanuatu that was made famous by a picture of Ernest Hemingway at that same tree. And Jay bought that hat just so he could pose against that tree there. You see, Jay served with his parents in, uh, in beginning schools at the South, on that South Pacific Island. Among the very numerous achievements that Jay made, Jay became a trainer for the University of Utah football team. And that was his idea. One Monday morning, Jay put on his suit, packed his briefcase, and he took the tracks train from his house to the campus so that he could visit one of his friends from church, the starting tight end on the Utah football team. After touring the locker room and going out to the practice field and watching a practice, they went back into the locker room and his friend said, well, Jay, is there anything else you'd like to do? And Jay responded, well, I'd like to meet Coach Urban Meyer. And the, coach, the young player said, I bet you would. Even I can't get a meeting with Coach Meyer. And Jay saw the coach from across the room and he goes, right there he is, let's go say hello. And so together they ran after the coach and the player said, Coach, this is my friend Jay Rudd, and he wants to meet you. And that's when Urban Meyer said, Well, hello, Jay. It's nice to meet you. I saw you on the field. Have you enjoyed your day? And Jay said, You know it. But there's one more thing I was hoping to do. What's that, Jay? I was hoping to get to have a talk with you in your office. Well, the coach said, come with me. And they went into Urban's office, leaving the tight end speechless. They shut the door, and he sat down, and he said, what would you like to talk about? And he says, coach, I'd like to go to work for you. Goodness, Jay, what in the world would you do? He said, oh, I'm glad you asked me, because I've given that question a lot of thought. And I want you to know, I have decided I would do anything you ask me to do. And that's when the coach said, well, Jay, I've been looking for that person for a long, long time. You're hired. <laughs> and the rest is history. He served on the su support staff for the University of Utah football team for over seven years. Now. I tell you this story to give you some sense of understanding about why Jay embodies my glad neighborhood. It's because time and time again, 
He entered whatever room he entered with a real sense of thanksgiving. I remember one Sunday morning when I pastored at Spring Creek in Oklahoma City. Jay was staying with us for a couple of weeks, and that morning he was sitting in, in the congregation with my family and joined by my sister Nancy, his aunt, and, and her family. And we were all there together. It was a very wonderful day. And at about that moment in time, during the invitation, Jay decided to come forward. And I listened to his request, and he said, I would like to speak to the people. Well, this was before I had any anticipation about how this might go. And so I looked to my sister Nancy for some encouragement, and she shrugged her shoulders. Neither one of us really knew what to do. But I decided to kind of trust him. You know, you don't either trust or distrust somebody. You're either building trust or not building trust with somebody. So I decided to be a little build a little trust by holding the mic over in front of him, but not letting go. And about that time, Jay said, I have two concerns that I want to ask you to pray for. Number one, he said, I'd like you to pray for my father, Jack, in Vanuatu. He works very hard and he needs our encouragement. And number two, I would like to ask you to pray for my Uncle Steve, your pastor. He too works very hard, and I think he needs our encouragement. Now, my sister Nancy, till the day she died, always thought I had paid Jay <laughs> to make that request. After worship, when I returned to the study to get my overcoat, I found this note on my desk and it's been in my Philippians file from that day until now. And that's where Jay wrote me in his own handwriting this note. I think we can sort of make it out together. Let all men see that you are gentle and kind. The Lord is coming soon. Do not worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything. I think I've gotten less. Everything you need, and whenever you pray, always give thanks. I didn't even know Jay could write, and he wrote me this note, and it has helped buoy me on many a day. The glad neighborhood gives thanks. I hope that in some way Jay and Mac and Catherine, these friends from my glad neighborhood, may have helped us see together that the Lord indeed is good. His love is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us pray together. Lord and loving God, for this day we give you thanks. We are building trust in you because you have never stopped building trust with us. Meet us in this hour 
Help us understand that today is a day to celebrate the birth of the church and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so come, Spirit, come into our lives as we stand and sing together. In Christ's name we pray, amen. <clears throat>